Hey, Chris Manning here from the Locked On Cavs podcast. Coming up on today's show, we have the great Nikias Duncan from the Dunker Spot podcast and basketballnews.com to talk about all things Cavs, Colin Sexton, and more. So stay tuned for that. I want to tell you, though, that we have the live NBA draft show coming up. NBA draft go Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Bill Barr. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Lockdown NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. Hey! Knocks it down! Ground. Here goes Okoro to the bucket and oh my! Okoro throws it down. Ten seconds to go. Here comes Colin Sexton. Sexton chased by Hill. Off the Stevens. Oh my! 45 ticks to go. That shot yes. is blocked by Nance. Get that big stuff out of here. Prince knocks down that hard and pass. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, 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 look out. There you go. That's called team ball right there. We're thrilled to be joined by Nikias Duncan, writer at the Basketball News, co-host of the Dunker Spot podcast. Nikias, how are you? I am doing well on this, what day is it? Wednesday morning? <laughs> it's so hard to keep track of sometimes. But I am doing well, man, in a great mood. Just watch some great basketball. I am still high on the Chris Middleton victory lap. So I'm in a good spot right now. How are y'all? I'm doing good. Evan, how are you, buddy? Good. I'm not as good as Giannis, who downed a 50-piece Chick-fil-A nugget and then had a half and half of Sprite and lemonade. So great pick on Giannis's part. But... No, I'm really happy for the Bucks. Uh, we had Ty Windish on the show on Tuesday. Very happy for him that we got to co. We had to have the co-host of a championship caliber podcast on Chris. We don't get to have that very often, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> Look, uh, the Cavs are not there, and that's fine. They're they're on their own. They're on their own path here. Five years um, but ago. But Look, it's it feels about like fifty years ago. Um, Giannis best championship celebrator since Jr. True or false? I think true. Yeah, that's got to yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that does it. Like his the Chick Fil A order alone, yeah. kind of puts kind of puts him there. I'm very yeah. much a um a Sprite slash Sierra Mist lemonade guy. Like fifty nuggets on a Wednesday morning is incredibly my jam. I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> look, I, I mean, to live, you, gotta, you gotta live your best life. It's just about living your best life. Here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to talk today about Con Sexton. We're going to talk about the Cavs as a whole. Um, we're going to talk about the Cavs draft because that's obviously coming up very soon. Nikaz, let's start with Con Sexton. You wrote about him not too long ago, the basketball news. We'll link that below so people should go check it out if they haven't already. But where are you at on Colin and in, in what he is? Um, it's, it's I'm sure as you know, a sometimes polarizing topic on mm-hmm. the, the website that is twitter.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are you at on him? Uh, I guess we have to start first. Like, is do we classify Colin Sexter as a hooper or a basketball oh. player? Because I think that drives a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is tough. Um, oh man, um, if I understood what that meant, I think I would like have an answer for you. But I don't know if I have an answer. <laughs> he 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 uh, he screams hooper to me. Yeah. But, so you yeah. Know, that... yeah, but like, but he also like is like the the basketball player where it's like he's just gonna put in a lot of the work, right? Like he's not like just showing up and getting buckets. He's like a obsessive worker, and that screams basketball player to me, you know. Mm. So I don't know. There's like a little bit of both. He's he's a hybrid. 
see, this is what the Cavs front office has to figure out before giving them this max extension. <laughs> you know, they got to figure out which one he is and how that vibes with the rest of the team. But in all seriousness, <laughs> I am I'm fine with Colin Sexton. Just as you know, I'm not a cast for anything, but just early in his career, he wasn't really my jam just because he was pretty pull up heavy. He's very much a score first and second guy. Like the passing reads have gotten better, but he's not a natural playmaker. Like that's very much a learned thing for him. So just in terms of the play style and like where he is as a playmaker, isn't necessarily my cup of tea, but like he's very good. He's very talented. Like you need that kind of half court creation. And I think because of what he was in his first couple of seasons and like if you want to go the analytic route, like what his plus minus was when he was on the court for Cleveland, like I think it kind of swung too far in the other direction with him. And so now I feel like he's a bit underrated because, I mean, the shooting is important. Like the three-point volume has improved. The passing reads have improved. Like he still isn't a good defender, but like the effort is there. So I'm – less worried about Sexton the player more so like Sexton and how he fits in with this Cavs team and I think that's where he becomes more of a polarizing player because on the surface you get a guy that young that can score that many points and do so efficiently while still showing like tangible growth every year like of course you pay that guy of course you tried to build with and or around that guy probably build with because he's not I don't think he's a title level primary no, like he, like, pe- like people have like cited like Mitchell and Booker as like statistical comps for him. I don't think he has the the skill in the half court that those guys do, right? Like, and I, I don't, I think like he could. There's some of that that he has, but I like, I think even with the three point increase that you mentioned, like he's in like the bottom six percent of guards in three point rate. Like that has to even go up. I think like another level. Like mm-hmm. there's still just stuff where it's like, okay, like how much further can he expand? Is sort of like an open question, and like that's with the second contract. Like you're betting on that guy improving at the same time like it is a little bit of like you're not paying exactly for his production right now you're paying for like what is he going to be in year two year three of this deal like you're sort of banking that he can improve and i think it is fair to bet that like Colin Sexton is probably going to improve at stuff because he never hasn't like every mm-hmm. single year he improves in, in some way that's like maybe his best attribute in a lot of ways right it makes it easy to bet on the kind of guy oh you go ahead oh no i was just gonna ask you but if you want to keep talking about like betting on colin like yeah he is safe to bet on but your thought process on him is pretty similar to mine, contrary to what some of our listeners and some of our French listeners think. Um, I think at this point, the Cavs need to figure out where does Colin fit in the grand scheme of a team. And you kind of put this best, and I want to kind of give you the floor here to talk about this. What do you think is an ideal fit for Colin? Because to me, at least, if you pair him with like a big playmaking wing and maybe a defender alongside him, you could have something pretty competent there to say the least it's just it depends on how the Cavs approach this and explore this because there's some questions with what they've built in terms of fit but they could change a lot of things as well if they really are determined on keeping Colin here long term right I would definitely agree with that like I think and this kind of goes back to what I said earlier about how I felt like things are kind of going too far like yes Colin is very much a score first guard like yes he's not a natural like he's not a point guard in a traditional sense or anything like that a lot of learner reads more reactive than proactive. And that's kind of the bar you need to hit if you're going to be a primary on a playoff level team. But like, I don't think he's, he caps off as like a six man on a good team. Like, I think the scoring is too good and the improvement has been consistent enough to where you can project some growth there. So I think if you get him on a team to where he's kind of your hired gun, like in the trade piece, I wrote about Colin Six and the uh, trade destination that intrigued me the most was Miami. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like 
you have two stars in Miami and Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, who can get you buckets, but they're wired to kind of do everything else. Like, that's what they want to do. And if they had someone, they can just be like, all right, cool, final four minutes of the game. Jimmy's going to get to the rim and kick it out to you. You're going to be the scrambling defense. Bam's going to operate in the elbow, see what the defense does, hit you coming off a corner, then you get to tackle scrambling defense. And if things break down, all right, give me a bucket. Like, Colin can fit that role perfectly, I feel like. So I think even if it isn't Miami specifically, that's the kind of parameter he needs. He needs someone that can set the table and you need personnel around him that can help him on the defensive end. Because again, it's not an effort thing for Colin Sexton Mm -hmm. at all, but just it's the frame that only gives you so much defensive versatility and the screen navigation is still pretty bad. Like the angles that he takes are still pretty bad. So you need really good help defenders or if it's a switching scheme, you need high IQ defenders so you can scramble them out of there if necessary, show some help, recover back out. So if they do make kickouts against Colin Sexton, you can still keep things in front and you can get possessions. And if you're you know, if you're pushing the other way, Colin Sexton can get busy in transition. Or if it's just an early offense, actually gets a high ball screen early in the clock, like he can get downhill, can get to his pull-up whenever he wants to. If the defense is scrambled, easier reads are available for him offensively. So that's the kind of dynamic he needs. So here's the, I think the, the probably the $100 million context and extension question. Can the Cavs develop that reasonably, right? Like, I think there are paths to that. Like, I think Darius as a creator is really, really interesting. We'll see where he goes. Uh, the Kevin Love of it all is sort of complicated because I think there's like a world where Kevin Love could have offered some of this stuff to support Colin, but it just hasn't happened for a variety of reasons, health and otherwise. Um, Larry Nance is like a good player, good secondary creator, but has caps on sort of what he's going to do in that role. Jared Allen, who I love and I think they're going to pay, like doesn't do any of that. Like he's not comfortable doing DHOs. He's not, he's got some very small passing stuff in his game, but it's very minimal. Like Mobley projects to be this really interesting creator, assuming he's the pick, but like, is he going to change your stuff from day one? I don't know if they know that, even if they would tell you they're hopeful that he can come in and do some really interesting stuff. Like, I think there are open questions also, just about like I don't I I really like JB Bickerstaff as a coach and as like a tone setter with the team because I think they needed that presence after Beeline and after like the the dumpster fires of the years before. But like I don't think he's like a particularly creative coach, and I think that's part. I think part of the problem is like if they had a Vanderpool, if they had um, Chris Finch, if they had Atkinson. Darvin Ham, some like mm-hmm. just someone to come in and run a scheme that was gonna like. I think push things in a slightly different direction. I kind of wonder what that would look like and if that would make Colin's life a little simpler to some degree and make him like make some of these concerns kind of more moot because like you would, you would scheme around it more creatively than they have. Yeah. I think that's a fair point to make. I kind of wonder like beyond some of the offensive limitations from a coaching standpoint, like I wonder how much, just how much of that is driven because of the personnel, Mm. because it is, an interesting mix of players like <clears throat> I, I think you know just in the back like Darius Garland is a better player than Colin Sexton right now and I think he should be prioritized moving forward that doesn't mean Sexton shouldn't be on the roster but I think Garland has proven he's higher in the hierarchy there but even just looking at the rest of the roster like Sexton's kind of your rim pressure guy while Isaac Okoro figure out figures out what his offensive role is going to be like you don't have you don't know what you're getting out of Kevin Love in terms of health or just what the style is going to be. If he's just going to be traditionally a stretch guy, if he's going to be used more in elbow actions, if he's going to be your low post threat, he has the ability to do all those things, but it feels like Cleveland hasn't been able to find 
the right mix of what love does and love hasn't been available enough to really find that either so i think getting some kind of clarity with what the roster is will help them decide what kind of offense they want to run and then you can kind of go from there so i i don't know how soon cleveland can figure that out i mean it would need to be soon since sexton's up for money now but i think that context is very important when discussing sexton and how he projects in cleveland moving forward Evan, let's take a quick break here. We're going to come back with more Nikai's Duncan Ranch for this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, it's only 216 at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have reliable prices for every customer. And Rock Auto is everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. For example, Evan got a key part for a repair on his air conditioner last summer. It was steaming hot out. He didn't want to spend all that money that they were telling him he had to spend at his local repair shop. And guess what? He saved a bunch of money Rock Auto, got his car fixed, it's back, still driving today. Go explore their easy-to-use website right now to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today and please tell them Locked On sent you and we thank Rock Auto for sponsoring the show. All right, we are back with more Locked on Cavs with our special guest, Nikias Duncan. Chris and Nikias, we talk. Where, where do you guys want to go next? There's there's a couple topics we can discuss, of course. This is more of a free-flowing conversation. Well, we don't have to follow regimented let, order. Let me ask this. Do you have a number for Colin, Nikias? I think I would offer like 18 a year this summer for four. I would not do a five-year slot for him. Um, I wouldn't do it for Jared either. But like, if you could get him for 16, 18, 19, I think that's like an okay number. Um, I don't think his camp should agree to that either. Like that's that's why you're seeing Miami in the Knicks. Like that's that if mm-hmm. <laughs> they're trying to push to a certain market that like they know. I think they know they can get a little bit. Remember, he'll probably maybe look better at least in Miami. I don't know about the Knicks fit quite as much, but um, like I think those numbers are n- not unreasonable. And and if he and if he goes out and balls out next year and Garland takes a step back, like you know maybe he plays himself into more money if Darius doesn't succeed in the way we kind of think he might. Well, let me start here. Like, I am not sourced at all. Like, I'm not talking to <laughs> front office people like that. So I want to lay that out Aggregators, there first for anyone that's listening. Uh, start, start here. <laughs> uh, start transcribing. Yeah. I feel, feel like I got to start doing the low thing. Like, this is me yeah, spitballing. The, the, low, I'm not. the low and windy patented aggregators in, in a, a very uh, terse tone. Yes. Yeah, got, got to protect yourself. But, like. I'll say, like, you came in a lot lower than I thought. Like, just because of the age and the scoring production for Sexton, like, I don't envision him getting any – I'm with you not to give him five years. I don't see how he gets anything less than, like, four, four hundred. I would do that probably, Like, I think that's – I, I think that's going to be the baseline for him. Like, we can quibble about if his impact is worthy of that, but that's never what – 
the first contract extension. No, I and I get it's more. Yeah, similar. I guess you say like I saw like Devonte Graham floated as like nineteen, and I would rather pay Colin like more than that than Devon went to, for Devonte at his age. I think relatively. Yeah, like if Devonte's getting that, then Sexton's absolutely getting like twenty five a yeah. year. On on the low end, probably. Well, it also depends so on. So that, that's that's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say like that's kind of where I'm at with him. Um, I think his camp is going to push for a max because why would you not push for yeah. push for a max, especially when your guy is averaging like twenty four, <laughs> with the you know with a solid true shooting percentage and like he's actively growing at everything. So, but I, I don't think he's a max guy. Like I certainly don't think he's a max impact guy. So I think finding that middle ground between whatever the five year max is, like I, I haven't looked at the CBA this morning, but whatever the <laughs> the five year max is, and like again, like I don't think he dips below twenty at least. Like four eighty is probably the lowest you can offer him without getting a trade request. I think. No, I think you and I are on the same page there too. Uh, Eighteen does just feels low, and I think, like Chris, like you said, if Devontae Graham's getting nineteen million annually, I think Colin Sexton could easily get more than that as well. But, and I agree with Nikias's point too, where especially when you look at the Cavs side of things, where they've tapped Colin as a cultural leader. He is a very good score. He's a three level score. He's changed a lot of the perceptions he's had about him going into the league. Because I I've brought this up a few times now, like coming out of Alabama he was perceived to be the next Eric Bledsoe just because he was not really a shooter but he had some defensive chops and potential and we got quite literally the opposite of that where Colin Sexton is a pretty good shooter it's just he needs to take more threes at this point that's just my only gripe with him right by now but I think 25 million for four years so 100 million over four if you just did like a flat rate but it's probably gonna be a Kobe Altman special where there's more up front and it decreases over time but I don't think you give him the five year and I think, honestly, the Cavs will try and get the deal done this offseason instead of next because that is going to be a constant storyline heading into next season, especially if his camp is mm-hmm. angling him towards Miami or New York. where And Cleveland media and fans don't handle outside pressure very well to begin with. <laughs> so, oh, you mean, you mean the people that are like, hey, cut off your hands because you don't think Collins is as good as Luka? Well, uh, those are there's ex- there's extremists out there, but fandom is fandom. That's short. Fans are short for fanatics for a reason, Christopher. But I'm glad you kept your fingers, or if you cut them off, the the surgery was a success. The, and really good donor. prosthetics you can get on the market these days. The Cleveland Clinic just doing incredible work. <laughs> I thought at first you like shorten your hands at first, and I realized your camera was just blurry. I'm like, did he intentionally make his fingers look shorter? But um. <laughs> Yeah, I think Colin will he'll get a pretty decent offer from Cleveland because I think the Cavs also know that with the interest being out there that Miami, New York, are, or at least it being reported that Miami and New York are interested seriously in him, um, it's going to drive the market a little bit. Plus, also the Cavs have to play the plight of a small market team and they're not a glamour destination. And yeah, Colin's fully committed to being here, but his agent's going to ask for it. And like you said, Nikaias, it's, it's bad work on your client's behalf if you don't go in asking for top dollar and then trying to talk and you negotiate negotiate things backwards but mm-hmm. it's just it's interesting i think the Cavs will get the deal done though because i don't think the external pressure that it would create is something that could be tenable for the rest of that locker room because they already got kevin love situation to deal with i think a yes. possible colin sexton is he going to be traded? Are they going to extend him narrative would be exhausting for the rest of the team to deal with. The Cavs cap is actually hilarious. I just want to say that it's hilarious. Like J.R. Smith still has well, dead cap no, we, money. On we, ex- we explored that if they don't extend Allen right away and they traded Sexton for 
let's say Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox, Torian Prince is the highest paid player on the roster. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's it is wild <laughs> stuff. Um, I would just say, the one thing I will just say, and the last thing I'll say in the extension is I do think like I wonder if they will try not to do it now, just because they have the restricted free agency in their back pocket. And that I like you can sort of sometimes bank on that pushing down value a little bit. I wonder if that is a reason why you don't like just to save a little bit because you do just have like it is just a weird cap. And like Darius is coming up due, Jared's gonna kick in. Like you just have stuff where it gets priced. Like Larry is not that far off from free agency at this point. Like you just have the the Cavs cap ultimately like is sort of bogged down a little bit. And and maybe like this is part of my thinking on this is just like Kevin is making way more money than he should at this point, and like a buyout probably makes sense. The Jetty Osmond contract has aged incredibly poorly. And yes, there's a non-guarantee in the last year, but like you're giving him like what, like nine million dollars next year? And he was like out of your rotation last year. Like that's just like it's brutal out here, man. Salute to live every going away yeah. money. Yeah. Hey, but when you go public with your company and you go from worth a couple hundred million to seven point <laughs> four billion by the end of market close, I think you're okay. Facts. Shout out capitalism. <laughs> yeah, isn't it great? Oh man, love some NFTs. Um, I I guess the guys to transition off of this, like you, do you think like what do you make? I don't really think the sex and stuff that's been floated out there is all that interesting. Is the thing like Toppin, Knox, and like picks doesn't really like. Yeah, like I'm I'm kind of like out on. I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I just don't – like, it's hard to find something that feels good for Cleveland for Sexton. And, like, what I wrote about when I made when I did the Sexton piece, like, a lot of the intrigue for even moving Sexton is if you don't feel comfortable about the fit, obviously, if you're going to prioritize Garland or Coral, whoever you take at three. And beyond that, the Kevin Love situation. Like, if there's a deal to be had in which – you get plus value for Sexton and you're able to get off of Kevin Love's money, which can free up some things for you in the front court, can free up the locker room in a sense. Then I think that combination of factors makes it more palatable. So I think that's kind of the wild card. Like if they can find a deal for Sexton and Love, because then you can kind of talk yourself into some of the Knicks non-glamour assets and getting picks and stuff if you're also getting the salary relief on top of that. But if it's just for sex, then no, you don't do knocks and topping in a pick. Like, that's not what you want. And, like, I floated out the Miami thing. And it's like, you know, Tyler Hero, I still think is a good prospect. Like, I think things got a little too high after the postseason run last year. And then after some of the struggles, which a lot of those struggles were out of his control, it got too low with him. Like, the truth is in the middle of what Hero is and what he could project to be. So, like, he's a good prospect. I don't think he's a Sexton-level prospect. So even if Miami can cobble some stuff together there, I think more of the intrigue is going to be like, okay, what if we also give you Kevin Love so we don't have to worry about this anymore? And that's where Hero and, you know, the expirings I mentioned, like Goran Dragic, um, Andre Godala, then that's where you get the relief, you get the prospect. It makes a little bit more sense for that regard. Do you think that Love trade is realistic anymore, though? Because I feel like him pulling out of Team USA and citing the calf injury and which goes hand in hand with yeah. his Achilles injury. I feel like that's cratered and already pretty flat trade value mm-hmm. for him. And Chris and I are kind of just warming up to the idea that the Cleveland may just buy him out at this my, point. My biggest thought is like, do you stretch or do you just eat the cap on the one you're hit? That's like my biggest thought process on Kevin right now. I think he would just be happier if he could just go pick where he wants to play, frankly, is the other part of it. Mm-hmm. 
I guess part of my reason there, like I just find it hard to believe, which is funny coming off the Blake Griffin thing, but I just kind of find it hard to believe that Cleveland would want to just buy him out or stretch him. Like I think they want, I think any team in that situation would want to just get him off the books if possible. Mm -hmm. So I just don't know how dire it is. Like, I think it's very clear. He's not part of the long-term future. Mm -hmm. I think it's very clear that if a deal presented themselves, they like Kevin Love would have been gone, like probably the year before last. Oh yeah. If they found something that they liked. So I just want to know, like that can be true and still, they can still have the line. Like, okay, we're not just paying him to go away. So I just wonder how dire it is from their perspective. That's just that's just something I just don't have insight into. That that's true, but I guess if you want to look at it too, the Cavs have already played or paid J.R. Smith to go away, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the first time they've done it either. But I just think if you can get Kevin to play good company guy, maybe you show that he's still valuable in those 15, 20 minute bursts. Maybe you could recoup some trade value. But I am curious to see. And it's the same thing with Philly. Like, I look at Philly as well. Do they stand pat with Ben Simmons, or do you deal with the overwhelming public pressure of the fan base demanding this player gets traded immediately, or do you kind of just not cripple to the outside voices and try and maintain the course? It's just it's just an interesting dynamic, and I agree with you. I think Cleveland's not going to look to buy him out. They're going to try and see if they can maximize his trade value any way they can, but... I'm just interested. I think it's a bummer because I do think this calf injury is going to be a lingering thing unless he takes a consistent amount of time to get right. And I just don't know if he can afford that because he may just be stuck in Cleveland until the remainder of his contract. And that's unideal for the Cavs. It's unideal for Kevin. I just don't know what's going to happen. And if you can use Colin Sexton as a sweetener to kind of get off that contract, just to jump back to the Miami trade, like, I think that makes sense too. But I don't know if teams are going to be willing to bite on Kevin now. Yeah, like it, it would have to be a team like Miami that already has like the quote unquote rehabilitation thing going for yeah. them to where they can talk themselves into like and you know, say like Miami already or Eric Spolster in particular, like he like it's documented that he likes Kevin Love. Yeah. Like it's and, not the and, first time that the Heat have shown and, interest. And it was in just it. in Las Vegas with Kevin. Right. So that connection's kind of there. So I get it from the money aspect. And even for Miami specifically, like if things don't go well with Kevin Love, this is not the first time in the past five years that he'd have had to try to get off Sa- some unfavorable Sa- contracts. Pat, so. Pat will pick up the phone, call Sam Presti, and Sam Presti will be like, okay, give me, like, whatever. And and ultimately, you know, Kevin will... Sam will Presti's like, there's this fifth grader I've been scouting right now. Can you give me the pick for when he's draft yeah. eligible? God. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think the Heat have willingly had a second round pick since like the Obama administration. <laughs> so like, it, I, if if push comes to shove, they will figure something yeah, out. That's the move. Yeah. So I think they're the t- they're the team that could talk themselves into making the kind of love gamble, especially if it comes with Colin Sexton. Uh, just before we go to break here, uh, Dejounte Murray Sexton trade. Who has to give up more? You think? I would say Cleveland probably has to give up a little more. Yeah, you would think. Uh like at least like a little I, like sweetener of some kind like at least like salary matching and like a second maybe i don't know i think murray's really good yeah, as the had, thing is is kind of my thing here yeah, yeah like i think they're in i think they're in the same tier like they obviously do different things like dejounte murray like colin sexton gives you the score dejounte murray is just an absolute hound on defense the rebounding is there from a guard and he helps juice the transition attack that way and like he's a really good slasher the playmaking is getting better. Like the fact that he has a competent pull-up mid-range jumper now, 
like teams still don't guard him as a shooter, so he's still another year away from like changing the scouting report in that regard. Mm-hmm. But like him making that step is huge for his offensive development. If he's healthy, he's gonna be really freaking good. So I think it's I think Cleveland will probably have to add a little something just because getting Sexton means paying him more than what DeJounte Murray is, even if you feel like he's better. Like it's not substantially better. So that salary gap's gonna matter. So I think Cleveland has to add a little something there. But that's a swap that I like for both teams though. No, I like it too. Um, Chris, do you think Jetty Osman as a rehabilitation project and maybe a shooter, hypothetical shooter, if Jetty's not so trigger happy in San Antonio, kind of moves the needle a little bit? I, I, dude, I, if you could, if you t- could, you could tell me anything you want about Jetty Osman, and I, I would probably believe it at this point. That guy last year was one of the most erratic NBA seasons I've seen from like a bit role guy in a long time. <laughs> Did not give a single f about shooting. It was like we need to shoot like the Jazz. And was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot like the Jazz. All the rest of you can not take threes. I'm gonna take all of the threes. Like literally, <laughs> like funny. Um, I don't know, man. I the the Jetty thing that I've been talked into is like like him like him Rondo swap. You get a second round pick and then you just buy out Rondo. Lucas Hahn has bullied me into this. <laughs> oh no! Uh. He's just like the he uh. he pitched it to me and was like, look, like the the Clippers need like a. A small forward and you don't want to pay jetty any money and i'm just like absolutely don't want to pay jetty this contract anymore like it is aged <laughs> terribly um it's that's such a depressing the here's the thing every Cavs trade you can come up with is like sort of depressing is the thing there's not like a Cavs trade that i have come up with that is realistic that is like there was like the day where like we did fake ben simmons trades and it was like this actually isn't gonna happen because his value is better than kevin love and and not and nonsense or whatever and whatever there's not like a Careful. Kevin Colin Sexton isn't nonsense. Chris. Okay, but like even like even that was like unrealistic compared to like what I think Philly is clearly angling for, right? Like it was like Kevin Love was the salary you had to use. There's not like a Cavs trade that you can find that I find that isn't like a little like okay, like I guess this happened, and that's sort of that's not like a fun <laughs> position to deal with, right? Like, like Bruh. you know, like people like there's been an ongoing discourse with Larry on not with Larry, but like about Larry on Twitter where it's like people like, okay, if you could have gotten a first or two firsts for him from like a letter late first from a contender, like should you have just done that? And I'm like, no, but like that trading Larry for like stuff that might be something doesn't really like appeal to me. And then it's like Jetty, it's like, uh, like here's this like maybe below average wing who's not making any money. Like, I don't know, like mm-hmm. who's making too much money. Like there's just like the roster is very weird. The cap is very weird and none of, they don't have stuff that I think people are like, willing to give you anything premium for is i think part of the the problem for kobe altman here it's like he's not really dealing from a position where like they have young guys that i guess sweeteners that sort of make it interesting like if dylan windler had hit a little bit more and like a team needed a shooter and you're angling for a veteran player right now like maybe he's a sweetener but he's barely played and not looked like healthy in his whole nba career so far like you don't want to give up Bokoro. You want to re-sign Jared Allen. like you don't have control over hartenstein really like you don't have stuff to really sweeten it other than mm-hmm. like the future seconds that you have and like depending on the team like those don't always matter that much so right like it it's tough to it's a very duh thing to say but like it's very tough to make trades and it's even tougher to make trades when you're not in a position of strength and like i think that's the biggest issue for cleveland because mm-hmm. like even if they're dealing sexton like they're trying to use you're, you're not going to get equal value for sexton no and if you're using sexton as a sweetener for kevin love then it kind of a disservice and again if you're dumping kevin love on someone like you're definitely not getting something great no just because of the nature of the deal so it's 
They're in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. They're really in a tough spot. All right, let's take one more break. Come back. We'll finish up with Nikias. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't turn the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for that, by the way. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts and the official betting partner of the LOCKEDON Podcast Network. Again, promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus. All right, last segment here with Nikai Duncan. Um, guys, where do you want to go next? I mean, Nikai, do you have Evan Mobley takes? Do you have do you have questions? Like, do you have questions about the Cavs that you don't know how to answer? Like, that because they're just a weird friend. Like, where are you at? Like, where do you want to go? I'm a, we're open to whatever. We've we've been we've been down some rabbit holes this off season. <laughs> got you, got you. Um, like I'm not super draft guy. Like I very much do. Like. I follow a bunch of draft Twitter people that I trust. Yeah, so same, I already have same, always same. have like a baseline of prospects and stuff. And then I do deeper work after the season. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm some draft guru or anything, but like, please take Evan Mobley. Like he should have like Evan Mobley should, should yeah. be going to, yeah, to be okay. very clear. But if he slides to three, like take Evan Mobley, there, there's no reason to overthink this. Like, I understand, like, Jared Allen's up for money. You still have to sort out the front court with whatever happens with Kevin Love. Larry Nance Jr. is going to be there. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Evan Mobley is freaking ridiculous. Yeah, I feel the same way. And Cavs fans, that's what I think Chris is kind of talking about trading Larry Nance Jr. for future first. I think it's the impending arrival of Mobley. It's starting to make Cavs fans wring their hands a little bit because your colleague at Basketball News, Spencer Davies, shared that Kevin Love, like you said, is kind of not in the future plans anymore. He's going to be in a reduced role going forward. So if that means either he starts and Mobley is the reserve or he's the backup five at first, or you have a $31.3 million player coming off the bench for you. That's, that's Cleveland's mm-hmm. cross the burden to carry. So it's not my, not my place to judge what they're going to do with it, but right. until it's, until it's officially announced and then I'll just say, okay, well, this is silly, but in theory, like Evan Mobley checks a lot of boxes. And like I said, I know you said like there's concerns with Jared Allen too. Um, but I think the potential pairing of like, having Mobley start at the four next to Jared Allen at the five, I think it's a little clunky unless you figure out some of the spacing stuff. And if Mobley becomes a little bit more refined as a shooter. And then also it clears up some more free agency options because Isaiah Hartenstein is probably going to opt out of his contract and explore free agency. And that means the Cavs don't need to bring him back or make him as high a priority. Cause he was a fun little addition to Cleveland during last year's, uh, towards the end of last year's season when they got him in the JaVale McGee trade to Denver. So, like, that's interesting. But at the same time, like, you can slot Mobley in at the five and then people are always worried about Nance. Like, oh, who's going to be backing him up at the four? You could just put Nance and Mobley together. And I think those two together mm-hmm. would be so much fun to watch just on both ends of the floor. Yeah, like, Mobley is not... We don't have to get into super deep draft talk here. But, yeah. like, Mobley is not a rim-running five. Yeah. Like, the guy has a face-up game. He has legitimate ball skills he has passing skills so like even with some of the spacing like there's 
you can just run offense through the elbow with him. Like you can do a lot of the bam actions with him just because of the way that he can not only pass, but can handle the ball. Like he can mm-hmm. fake handoffs, get downhill. He can make those high low passes. If you Jared Allen's at a dunker spot or something. So like, it's it's not as simple as Jared Allen doesn't take threes. Evan Mobley doesn't take threes right now, so the space is going to be bad. And I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but I can see where Cavs fans may be concerned about that fit. Like Mobley's too skilled for that to be. He's definitely too skilled for that to be a long term issue. And in the short term, I don't think it's going to be that bad either. So I, I just think if he slides a three, we should not be waiting for the clock to get to like no do it, do it immediately. Just just do it. Like just, just do it. Like I had someone it. ask me like. On a, on a radio hit if they should like trade back to like five and eight and take like Kuminga and Kispert and I wanted to chuck my phone out of my hand I was so <laughs> angry at this premise because I was like no I'm like no like no like I, I, I think like there's a there's a thing um, that I probably thought when I was younger or whatever but like I think like fit sometimes gets like overrated in the NBA I think like if you have the right coaches if you have players that are like good and skilled that can do stuff and you can scheme around stuff and get creative you can find solutions for this stuff and like Mobley's potentially like so mm-hmm. interesting that like he can solve something for you Colin and Darius like yes like it's not like exactly size-wise perfect or whatever but like if you figure it out you can do something really interesting there like yes like you and if, if Okoro can shoot like this becomes like you could have some interesting five-man lineups where it's like Sexland, Okoro, Mobley Allen and then like you know maybe Nance comes in as your backup four Mobley slides to the five like if you can get a you can get one wing shooter to sort of like add some spice to your rotation like that would be great um another another like a Caruso or a McConnell or Austin Rivers type backup point guard to upgrade over Delhi is probably a need like these little roster tweaks Mm -hmm. and some like frankly just I think like with a proper offseason and and stuff is there and like look the the high low stuff you mentioned I think is is smart because like I distinctly have visions of my head last year of them trying to do Kevin Love passing from the perimeter in the elbow to Andre Drummond posting up, like the the turbo <laughs> version of this with, with is Mobley to Allen and it's much more dynamic because of the way those two guys play basketball and the way that Allen in particular is is a lob threat and the way Drummond just doesn't play that way so like there's there's optimism that I think like internal improvement some more normal off season and stuff can get you somewhere if if you're patient I think patience. And what the Cavs are willing to sort of wade through is sort of like the, the big question here. If they try to force something, I think that's where they really get themselves into trouble. Again, like, and talk going back a little bit earlier, like them not being in a position of strength with these trades, that should kind of facilitate more of their patience because now it's like, okay, we know if we're making a deal, like it's like all trades are inherently gambles, but it's really a gamble since we know we're not in a position of strength. So this really has to hit. So maybe that deters them from making that kind of sexton deal, just kind of, make the roster fit a little bit better. You just say, all right, let's add talent and let's see if we can make this talent work. So, you know, we talked about um, Mobley on the offensive end, like defensively, Mobley's presence there makes sex land backcourt mm-hmm. more palatable because there there is not a defensive coverage that Evan Mobley can't play right now. Mm-hmm. And then he's and then he's going to get stronger with NBA strength and conditioning. So, like, drop, switch, can trap, can just hedge and back, back out. Like, he, there isn't anything he can't do defensively today and so if you have if you want to go big and you go sex land you have nance at the three and we saw some nance at the three last year nance at the three mobley and allen like you have allen a drop mobley can fly around wherever larry nance jr can fly around wherever and again it's not uh-huh. an effort thing for colin sexton it's just kind of the angles that he takes when he's fighting over screens like darius garland's kind of the same thing to where he's a little bit from my eye anyway you guys have a better handle on this than i would but garland seems like a better screen navigator yeah. than sexton is so I mean, we just saw it. 
early season sample size, whatever, but we just saw like a month and a half, two month stretch where the Cavs were good at defense. So if they, <laughs> if they stay healthy, then like, I don't think they're as far off as they look. Like, this is a point that I've made um, talking with Carter Rodriguez and Justin Rowan on Chase Down um, earlier this year to where they were asking, like, could Cleveland kind of make this leap into, like, the bottom of the playoff push next year? I was like, I don't think, like, they're probably a move away. Like, I don't think they're far off from being, from taking that next step. Like, they're very far from contention. They still have things to sort out. But, like, even then, like, the fruit is kind of low-hanging for them. Add a backup point guard, get some internal improvement. Like, I don't think they're that far off. Well, and like that's that's the path, right? Like for for if you're in Cleveland and you're, that's your market, that is the path. Post LeBron James, that is your path to not being a dumpster fire franchise. It is like bank down internal improvement. You navigate some of the contract stuff, which I know gets really tricky. Um, you and you embrace what you have. Like you you ha- like yes, like is this roster like exactly like the modern perfect chess piece roster no like it is not but if you make the right moves mm-hmm. on the margins and you navigate this and you can you can work around like you can work around the kevin of it all even like that the like kevin thing is like bad and it's like I'd, you'd rather have his money to probably do something else but you could work around that if you're creative enough and like it's not gonna destroy you if you handle it correctly right right okay. but let's talk to tight one about it because I we focused on the it was right before the Bucks won the championship and we were talking to I was talking to him about it and then just the path Milwaukee took to how they took a lot of like Chris Middleton's a second round pick and the first G leaguer to make the All Star team and then you have guys like Giannis who's a middle of the first round pick and then you make smart trades for Drew Holiday and I believe Brooke Lopez was a trade I could be wrong on that one he could have been a signing as well but. You make smart marginal moves like that, like you said, Chris, and you can get to that point. And then he also said, like, yeah, Phoenix is the same way. Like, Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton are a really solid base, with obviously Book being the superstar of the trio there. But then you make smart free agency signings, like getting Jay Crowder or, you know, campaign just being a revelation was a huge thing for them. And then, like, you package a lot of stuff together to go get Chris Paul. It There's ways to build things and, like, People think that being Cleveland, you're in an unwinnable situation where they don't have the luxury of being a Los Angeles or a Miami or New York, or that the fact that LeBron is likely to retire a Laker and he isn't going to be the driving force that recruits superstars back to Cleveland. There's a way to do this, and I think Milwaukee and Phoenix provide the template for it, and I just don't think it's as dire as people make it out to be. And yeah, the Cavs thing is going to be really hard to navigate for the Cavs. Um, I'm interested to see how that ends up, but there's still a way forward. And I think the Cavs are in a lot better of a place than they were a few years ago. And my assessment of them always has been, yeah, they're rebuilding in mm-hmm. the last two years or so. But I think this season, you're going to see a bad team. That's going to try their hardest. And we really saw it because they're flirting with the play in for a bit. And then once it came out of reach, then you saw some shameless tanking. You saw the same thing from Toronto, but I mean, that's just kind of being realistic too, where you know, like, okay, we tried our best. This is good for culture. We're not going to condone losing as like the mentality around here. And you just keep building off that. Nick, guys, let's finish on this. Um, I'm going to ask you one non-basketball question. The other day, you were tweeting about that you maybe had the best French toast of your life. Okay. <laughs> what makes a good French toast in Nikai Duncan's opinion? Oh. What What is the key to like an actual good French toast? <laughs> key to a good French Okay. I was not prepared at all for this. <laughs> Look, this this is this is just I I had there's a is place in Columbus, chef? no free ads, I will not name that has I think oh, maybe the best French shows I've ever had, though. and I've this happened right around the. T- it is not super <laughs> chef. S- supporting, we're telling people to I go would, eat Evan, local I, instead of eating at a chain. Come on, this is not capitalism. Capitalism oh, podcast. They are good. 
All right. The place in Columbus, if you're listening, is this place called Tosti. It is this cafe in the short north, and the French toast, the French toast is like on challah bread, and it is pretty darn perfect. So I, I think it's the bread. I think it's not getting it soggy. I think it's getting the mm-hmm. crispness. I think it's the right fruit toppings. Like, I think there's, like, a lot that can go wrong with French toast, too. Like, you could burn yes. it very easily. Like it's 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 key. You gotta have you got it's it's key. So what what makes a good French toast to you? Do you have a and do you have a favorite topping on the French? Toast? Um, do not have a favorite topping. Like I I could do a little powdered sugar. I don't typically get too fancy with mine. Like I want to I want to taste the French toast to see how good it is. Like I, I think it's it starts with the bread. Like I think that's very fundamental to it. Like the place that I had it in Charlotte, that's, that's um, the they had it on ciabatta bread, and oh yeah, and yeah, it, it's oh man, it just. I'll say like I made the tweet like I think that was it's either it's either number one or number two. And when I go back to Vegas, um, because number one for me was the Henry in Las Vegas. I had it at summer league in twenty nineteen. And all right, and now, now I now know where I'm going for breakfast in summer league. Is I'm going to the I'm going biggest to French toast I've ever seen in my life, but it's so good. So I'm gonna try that again uh, when I head down there in a couple of weeks and see if it holds up. Good man, man, that was a good French toast. Now I'm hungry. So I know what I'm going to be doing after the pod. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Nikai just gives the uh, let's do some plugs. Tell everyone they can find you on Twitter if they're not being smart and flying already, and, and where they can find all your work. All right, well, you can find me on Twitter at Nikaias NBA N E K I A S N B A. Follow me on Twitter for mostly basketball, but a lot of nonsense. To be completely honest with you, I think that's the fun of it. Like I'm, I'm not a robot. Uh, you can talk to me. Like I don't mind responding. Uh, Written work is at basketballnews.com. Check it out. Um, if you're not listening to the Dunker Spot podcast with my co-host Steve Jones Jr., former assistant coach, former video coordinator in the NBA, um, we do that every week. Uh, it's Dunker Spot. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. That's where you can find us. Evan, send us out. As always, thank you for joining us, Nakias. We really appreciate it. But thank you to our listeners for as well for tuning in and listening with us. We're still doing this five days a week until about early August, I believe, Chris. And we'll be scaling it back to three days a week just to kind of recharge our batteries before things start heating back up training camp time around late September, early October. So we appreciate you being part of this journey with us. Um, checked our numbers the other day really surprised with how well and strong we're doing this late into the off season so it's thanks to you guys but if you're an apple podcast listener give us a five-star review it goes a long way and if you give us a nice review nothing with expletives or uh questioning our political beliefs we'll give it a review and a shout out on the show so if you do that or just follow us on the odyssey app or spotify or anywhere you get your podcast uh chris and i'll be doing spotify green room every so often as well too but until next time no calves. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrine and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout the week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y.